Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Diagnostics Podcast, where we provide you with your weekly diagnosis of everything fantasy football. Whether it's season-long leagues, dynasty, DFS, or even IDP, we got you covered all season long. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's get to it. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Diagnostics Podcast. Once again, I'm your host, John June. And of course, I've got my guy, my co-host with me, Greg Penniman. Greg, what is good? Yo, what's going on, people, man? This is, uh, you know, excited to be here. I'm good to go. Uh, shout out to, uh, you know, all those athletes stepping out uh, this week for the, the Black Lives Matter movement uh, and RP Chadwick Bozeman. But uh, yeah, you know, we, we got to keep moving forward in this tough year. And, you know, I'm ready to go. Let's do it. Yeah, man. I mean, obviously, uh, the two of us, we're, we're black men in this country. So yes, sir. Um, the, the social social unrest, all the things that are going on in society um, with overuse of force on uh, suspects of color. Um, you know, what happened with the shooting of Jacob Blake, that obviously touches us, um, you know, hits home with us, man. And so uh, you know, we just, as a country, we need to do better. Um, and, you know, if you don't understand what's going on, then ask one of your friends, ask, you know, us, um, you know, how this is impacting us and, and our family and our and our friends that have to deal with this and, you know, these athletes that are stepping out and, and dealing with this. So um, educate yourself. Uh, and just continue to learn from one another, but like most importantly, let's just continue to love one another, man. That's that's really it. Absolutely, um, all about love. Yes, sir. So, um, and yeah, shout out to R.I.P. Chadwick Boseman. That was you know definitely some tough news to get yesterday, but um, life goes on, man. Um, you know, so this is a fantasy football podcast, and so you know, as obviously everything goes on in this world, but. Um, you know, we, we try to, to lighten it up here. Um, so that being said, season long manager tips today, we also have, um, we're also going to cover some news, uh, right before we get into the season long managers, but, uh, we also have the, what could go right, what could go wrong. So, you know, look at some guys maybe that we've been high on, um, and you know, you know, look at them through a different, a different prism and, you know, sitting at that with that same, uh, in that same exercise, look at some guys that maybe we're, we're low on and, and, you know, what could maybe go, go right for them. So, uh, Greg, this is exciting, man. Right. Cause oh, yeah. you know, I'm sure you learned, you definitely have coming in probably thinking some things differently the same way that I am as well because this really challenges your thought process yeah definitely uh i'm excited it was it was a good exercise for me to you know kind of like take a step back a little bit and see where i could be wrong on some players uh and you know changing opinions we're in drafts right now we're currently in a live draft on sleeper like uh anna's league so you know you could always make those last minute decisions to uh you know bump some people up or move some people down that uh you, you know could help you win chips out here uh it's never now it shouldn't be stubborn that's probably one tip we'll probably talk about but yeah it shouldn't be stubborn in uh in fantasy yeah man take lock is a very bad thing don't get caught up in take lock. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's head to the news, man. Because um, as part of our job is to have an opinion on this news, have a reaction to it, and how it affects players. So um, you know we're gonna talk about the news when it, whenever we seem whenever it's it's relevant. So. Um, the big news that came from earlier in this week, uh, that was the David Montgomery news. Montgomery injured his groin at Bears practice and had to be carted off the field. Early reports suggested he'll be out two to four weeks. Um, the Bears' current running back room consists of Tariq Cohen, two undrafted free agents, and rookie Artavis Pierce and second-year player Ryan Nall. 
Also in the running back room is Cordell Patterson. Uh, no, I did not misspeak there. Cordell Patterson, the former first-round wide yep. receiver of the Minnesota <laughs> Vikings, who has mainly been a, a return specialist and special teams player. Uh, he did get some carries last year with the Bears. He also played a little running back in New England uh, a few years, a couple years ago when they suffered some injuries there. So the Bears are making him a running back full-time now. So, Greg, before I give my thoughts on this situation, where are you with this backfield First, in terms of Montgomery and, and how you view him going forward. And secondly, how do you see this backfield shaking out in his absence? Uh, you know, well, you know, coming before this injury, I was I was I like David Montgomery's value. I think he was he was a pretty good value pick because you were sometimes getting him as your flex as your, you know, that could give you RB2, maybe some RB1 upside because, you know, he was the main early work down guy and, uh, you know, touch guy for this offense to be going was going to take a lot of wide receiver snaps and just, you know, do a lot of pass catching stuff. But uh, Montgomery was going to dominate these touches. And, you know, coming now with the injury, uh, you know, I probably would maybe bump him down around, but not too much, I don't think. You know, I think if you can get him still, as he was going as an RB3, if you can still get him as an RB3 kind of or RB4 almost, that's really good value, I think, still. Because when he comes back, I think they slot him right back into that role. I don't see, you know, maybe Artavius Pierce or Ryan Noll really, like, taking over the job and, um, you know, uh, Tariq Cohen is still going to have his role no matter who's there uh, as running back. So, I mean, I, I wouldn't be too low on David Montgomery going forward. Yeah, um, so, yeah, like you said, Montgomery was somebody that was a great value in the fifth round. Um, yep. You could get him as your RB3, as your flex. Um, and he looked really good. All the reports out of camp, he, he lost lost some weight. Uh, he looked faster. Uh, he was still running people over, like, like we saw in, in one of those videos, um, but I, I just for I just like I can't get in on on injuries right now. Right. Um, I, feel I just if he falls to the seventh or the eighth, then like I'm gonna have to take him because yes. Yeah, but if I take him in the two, f- yeah <laughs> yeah round or two, but if he fall if it's like the fifth sixth round, um, I don't know. It's gonna be really tough to take him because like. It's a groin, right? Like right. he he got carted off. Like how many times you heard a guy had to get carted off with a groin injury? Like I've almost never heard of that. Yeah. Um so this isn't something where he comes back in 2 weeks, you know, game 1 cuz we we are sitting two Sundays from now. There will be football. So, um you know, come back for 2 weeks from now and and be a hundred percent like is this something that's gonna that's gonna nag him for the year like i don't i don't know and i don't really want to deal with that if that makes sense and but that's just me right like if you if you think that it's fine or you know you read something differently that you think that he's gonna be okay then you know fifth sixth round like if you told me this won't bother him for the rest of the year like i'm all in but um to me i think maybe he's somebody that you buy low on near the end of the season as he as he maybe gets starts to get healthier true like second half of the season or yeah as as reports come back that he's he's uh coming back healthy but yeah if you get i think if you get good running back depth early in the draft like first second third round you take three running backs straight uh i think you can maybe snag him after your first wide receiver one or wide receiver two and and get him as your fourth running back i think it's still a solid value so would you him or terry uh i'll take terry yeah that, Cause that's the decision you're probably gonna have to make, right? Yeah. Him or DJ Shark? I stay, I'll take DJ Shark. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's the decision that you're probably yeah. gonna have to make if you're gonna take him at, at that point in the draft. Right. And again, it's fine. Um, it's just there is some there is some risk there. That's just just it. Um, so, Greg, who do you? Who, you, who do you see taking this thing over in his, if, if he's absent? Let's say he's he misses you know the first two games of the season because that back half of that timeline is four weeks. So let's say he misses first two games. Or who are you looking to add in his um, absence? You know, I think you know the the faces that are coming up. Uh, Ryan Nall and Octavius Pierce actually just picked them up in uh, our dynasty league. Um, I think they have some you know intrigue, fantasy intrigue to at least get uh, carries um, prior early down work. But uh, Tariq Cohen, I think. He had a role coming in as the you know PPR back. I think he's his role is still going to be uh, there, and they might pass it to him a little more and put him in a you know more creative plays uh, a little more. So I could see his touches number going up as an impact of this. 
Uh, so you know, I think his value was pretty good where he was going. So I think that I would, I would, I you know, focus on him in some drafts to start. But uh, Artavis Pierce and Ryan Hall, I don't see them like you know doing crazy numbers with their with their opportunity. But you know, they should uh, do something as you know maybe RB four or some flex value. Any interest in Cordell Patterson? No, not at all. Yeah, I mean, for I agree with you on Tariq Cohen. I mean, I think he's you know mainly a pass catcher. Uh, but Nagy is creative, so maybe he uses passes to Cohen as an extension of the run game. Yep. Uh, I think after that, you're probably expecting a committee. Um, I, I, I expect Patterson and and Nall to split that committee if that's the case. You know, Artavius Pierce, undrafted free agent, rookie. Um, I think they. At this point, they probably have more trust in Patterson and Nall than they would in in Artavis Pierce. Um, and I'm trying to get in on Patterson, but honestly, like we spoke about this the other day, but like about Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky, who, yeah. by the way, uh, Ryan uh, Matt Nagy said he's not naming a starting quarterback until before Week One. <laughs> uh, probably competitive advantage thing, whatever. Who cares? But. Um, we spoke about this the other day. Like, I don't really like. I don't like Mick, Nick Foles, Mr. Trubisky. They don't really excite me. And outside of Allen Robinson, who's basically played with bad quarterbacks his entire life, um, and then a healthy Montgomery and Cohen, like I'm not clamoring my to attach myself to this offense. No, you know Patterson. He, you know, it's is a is a cool is a flashy cool ad, especially because he has wide receiver eligibility. Um, which could help you if you need help at wide receiver. But assuming you're listening to us, you, you have better wide receivers on your team. So I'm, I'm not really looking. I'm, I'm really looking at him as a flex right now. And there are other running backs I'd rather stash in the meantime. Um, now, if it gets out this that this is more than a long-term injury, because like I said, we're, we're 14 days out, uh, then maybe I'll go look to Adam. But, you know, Anybody from this backfield, I'm not taking over. You know, guys like Jarek McKinnon, guys like Benny Snell, a guy like Darrell Williams yep, or yep, Chase Edmonds. Yep. I'd rather have all of those guys than any than any running back not totally named Tariq Cohen in this yes, backfield. Sir. Yeah, uh, I'm with you on that for sure. Um, those guys, you know, you, you know their role coming in there. They've been, you know, all those guys are playing very well in camp, and uh, you know they're they're proven. I think in this league, so I think those guys have more promise for sure. Yeah, man. So, um, Mike Williams, uh, L.A. Chargers wide receiver, uh, he suffered a shoulder injury in practice. Optimistically, it was uh, reported that it would be two to four weeks, but then later reported by Daniel Popper of The Athletic uh, that he's expected to miss six weeks. Now, Greg, where are you with Mike Williams and his draft stock going forward? And and also, what's your take on how these targets get distributed? Um, So, I... Didn't have any. I don't have any current shares of Mike Williams. I in mocks. I haven't really been honing in on him, so uh, I wasn't, you know, really much high on him. He's he's a good receiver. He got a thousand yards, got a thousand yards last year uh, for a very impressive stat with the bang up season that he had. Only missed one game, actually two games uh, with all those injuries and you know questionable marks coming into every week. So uh, big ups to him uh, coming into this year. Uh, you know. I you know I think he has some promise, but the passing game output was already going to go down, and Keenan Allen already dominates targets, so I didn't think he was probably maybe reached that thousand yard output this season. But you know, with him out, I think that could be a big bump for little Keenan Allen already. He already has the targets, but I think I'd be a little more confident taking Keenan Allen as uh, you know a dominant wide receiver one as far as targets maybe. Uh, so um, at the end of the night, they have. Jalen Guyton, he's playing in the slot. Uh, KJ Hill play, uh, playing behind him. I don't know if those. I would take a leap for any of those guys, though. Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't not had any shares of Williams either. Um, you know, I definitely like you said, the talent is there, uh, but this is a Tyrod Taylor pass offense that's probably going to be a little bit. Uh, well, it's going to definitely be lower volume than what we've seen with Philip Rivers in the past, um, and so, you know. I was in a draft. I'm in a draft right now, mm-hmm. and he was available in the 11th round, mm-hmm. and I didn't take him. Yeah. Um, just because it's like, again, it goes back to this. It's like almost a David Montgomery thing. Like, all right, he's got a shoulder injury. Mike Williams, how, how many times is this guy, like, and it has, you know, it sucks because it's part of the reason that makes him so good 
is that he he goes up with reckless abandon, like zero care for what happens when he comes <laughs> yeah. down. I'm gonna get he, this. Like, like yo, no regard <laughs> like for human he, life. He, like no regard for his own life. <laughs> like he does not care. He's like, I'm gonna go get this ball and I don't care what happens when I come down. Word. And we saw that, that that's led to him getting collarbone issues, shoulder injuries. Uh he that's how he hurt his knee last year. Um so like this happens all the time. So like you know, if he's coming back six weeks later with a shoulder injury, who's to say that he's, you know, again, it's like you got to raise your hands to catch a ball, right. you know? So, like, I'm not – maybe if you have an IR sta- an IR spot and you can stash him, but it's like I don't – I'm not really rushing to add him because, look, m- maybe he's somebody that uh, maybe you're able to pick up off waivers later in the year because um, another manager just – got frustrated with it yeah um (laughs) i left a draft i had a draft uh my my salary cap draft on on thursday night last night he was dropped he was drafted and then dropped yep so like this is this is something that's probably going to happen uh so maybe he's somebody we just look at later down the road Uh, but in terms of targets i think this is a definitely a bump for eckler um potentially a bump for henry but just give me all the keenan allen man yeah. talk about a shift of yeah. opinion because you know yeah. we talked we did a adp game uh keenan allen versus stefan diggs and i think we both picked stefan diggs yep. if i'm not mistaken yep i'm on the keenan um, allen bridge now for sure i'm on the keenan <laughs> allen yeah team. i'm on the keenan allen side yep. um tyrod and tyrod and, and allen seem to already have good chemistry right now and you know he's still a, a great football player. Still runs amazing routes, and the hard knocks bump might be higher than ever this year because we don't have any preseason games. So all we're seeing is the Chargers and the Rams. But Greg, if I'm not sure if you saw the latest hard knocks episode, but this is a this is the quote from Ant, from head coach <laughs> Anthony Lynn. All right. He was watched right. He was watching film of practice uh, of wide receivers of practice, and he he's basically says. If you don't block for me, you don't play. Every week, I go into the offensive coordinator's office, and I tell him one thing. Feed Keenan <laughs> Allen because he blocks. Now, I'm sure if you were in your professional setting and your boss came to you and said, hey, this week I need you to do one thing, you would spend your time doing that one thing, right? So I, I'm, I'm willing to bet Keenan Allen is going to get a whole lot of targets Bruh. week one. The head coach is telling the offensive coordinator to feed him. Look, maybe this is one of these things where we ride Keenan Allen, this Keenan Allen wave, where we roll him out there the first two to four yep, weeks. Last year, got out to a nice, just like last yep, <laughs> just look like last year. Got out to a nice, a nice, a, a nice head start, three and one, four, four and zero record, and then we just sell high on Keenan Ooh. Allen because he's probably gonna fade like he usually does. Yo, yo, the return would be nice on that. He was wide receiver one after the first like four or five weeks last year. Yeah. That'd be beautiful, but like you know, yeah, that he, I think he's he's definitely gonna finish top ten in targets as wide receiver this year overall. Yeah, no, I I I bumped Keenan Allen up. I moved him into my top twenty. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this is give me all. I'm so mad, but I just want all the Keenan Allen. Yep. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Um. So next up, we have Joe Mixon who has reportedly been missing practice with what the Bengals are calling a migraine. Uh, now, we obviously know Mixon is in the last year of his deal, and, and as per the new CBA terms, um, teams must impose a mandatory fine of $50,000 for every missed day of training camp. But as Melvin Ingram of the Chargers showed us, instead of holding out, players can hold in, meaning they show up to camp and they just don't practice. So some are speculating that this could be the situation with Mixon. Greg, where are you on this? Um, this is this is tough. Uh, I feel like he'd be back. I mean, he'd be ready to go. Um, you know, week one or you know, to the start of the season. Um, Giovanni Bernard became immediately a pickups in everyone's leagues. Uh, especially I saw Matt do that real quick with the swiftness. So yeah. Um. I like Joe Mar- Joe Mixon coming into this year a lot. Like as a healthy Joe Mixon, he you know he did very well last year to fi- uh, to finish the year, especially having you know injuries to start uh, last season. Um, but I think if he's back week one, I'm still buying. I believe. 
Yeah, I mean, for me, I haven't had I haven't had any mixing this year. Uh, that's just I'm I think I'm I think I'm slightly lower on him than the field, so I'd never end up with him because I'm you know he ends up as going off the board as like a top eight running back sometimes. Um, so you know I I never really end up with him, but this contract is definitely something I think that needs to be considered when drafting. Uh, him and Dalvin Cook both have that risk. Mm-hmm. Um, and with Cook, you know you need to protect yourself and, and get Madison. With with Mixon, you know, Giovanni Bernard is nice, but I don't think there's really a clear answer. Like, I yeah. think that Giovanni Bernard can't lead a backfield. I think he would have to be part of a committee. Um, so he's he's obviously the guy that we, you know, we as fantasy players most know. But Travion Williams is somebody that, that definitely intrigues me. Um, he was a three-down back at Texas A&M. And he's entering his second year after being drafted in the sixth round. So it would be interesting to see him get some work. But I wouldn't just say that, well, Mixon's going to play the same way that, um, you know, like when it comes to money and finances, like these players are, there's there's no logic, right? You know, like Le'Veon Bell, for example, he sat out an entire year even though he was going to make $16 million and then ends up signing a contract yearly a yearly salary of less than that. Right. You know, that may have not made sense, but that's what made sense to Le'Veon Bell. I mean, you know, look at a guy like like Melvin Melvin Gordon who sat out the first six games, right? Like, I, I'm not going to just assume that Mixon's going to be there. So the same way with, with Dalvin Cook, where if you're drafting Dalvin Cook, protect yourself with Alexander Madison. Just at least try to protect yourself with Mixon, even if it's not via a direct backup of his, but you RB know, try back. to hit on, yeah, just go really RB heavy if you're drafting Mixon, so you can protect yourself. Yep. But you know, this is definitely something to consider, in my opinion. Yeah, I I also don't have any Joe Mixon. Uh, I just been in, you know in the middle of the of picks like six. I picked from the sixth spot to tenth spot. Uh, I probably want to take him as from the eleventh spot. Either we have a draft next week from that spot, so. Yeah, I probably won't end up with him, but you know. Or maybe we will, <laughs> if any of our league mates are listening. <laughs> That's true, man. Or maybe we will. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, if if healthy and if he's there week one, though, you, I think you can. You, I think I can bank on him being an RB one. Yeah, no, for sure, absolutely. If he's if he's there, he's healthy, top twelve running back for sure. Yeah. Um, just need to know if he'll be there. Um. But big news that broke this morning, uh, the Minnesota Vikings, they have acquired edge pass rusher Yannick Ngakwe from the Jacksonville Jaguars for a 2021 second-round pick and a 2022 fifth-round pick that be- that can become a third-round pick uh, if, the if I believe, if Yannick makes the Pro Bowl and the Minnesota Vikings make the Super Bowl, that becomes a third-round pick. But if Yannick makes the Pro Bowl, it becomes a fourth-round pick. Um, this is a big time get for the Vikings mm-hmm. as they can now pair in Gakwe with star pass rusher Daniil Hunter to form possibly the best pass rushing duo in the entire NFL. This makes the Vikings a very, very interesting uh, defense to add in fantasy leagues, in my opinion. Obviously, I'm not drafting a defense, but if they are somehow available <laughs> after a draft or something, I would definitely look to add them. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're good for teams that, you know, at the end of the, if you want to make your last pick to, to use them, uh, just so you have them as for a season long, like one of those plug in, you know, not worry about your defense. I think this is a good ad with a very, you know, talented secondary. Uh, Minnesota has always been a, a tough overall defense uh, from all three levels. So I think, you know, they could be a favorite, sneaky favorite to win the NFC North, and they should be in a lot of uh, good low scoring games this year. The part that I think is interesting is uh, is the fact that Ngakwe reworked. His, he was on a franchise tag, seventeen point seven million dollar franchise tag. He reworked that deal to take four, three to four million dollars less to go to Minnesota. So he really, really wanted to get out of Jacksonville. Dang. <laughs> um. Any other news news things that we should add, Greg, before we head on to the season-long manager tips? Um, no, I mean, I'm, we'll probably touch on, like, random people in this and their news. But, yeah, I think, I think we're ready to go, you know?
yeah man so season long manager tips we've got four tips for you guys today uh the first tip that we have is no tilting and if you aren't familiar with what that term is it's essentially no overreacting uh, and while mainly associated with negative outcomes, we can also tilt to good things as well. So, um, but bad things are, are going to happen. Players are going to have a bad game. You're going to lose a game or two. Somehow, um, someone will get hurt or even contract COVID this year. But stay level-headed. It's called season long. So even if you go 0-4 like our league mate Oscar did in the, in the League of Extraordinary People, um, that doesn't mean give up. He didn't. And he won the he actually won the league that year. So um, or you know or if a guy you you drafted highly doesn't perform, there might be there there might not be any reason to cut him just yet. Pay attention to the situation, like snaps, opportunities. Judge the value of a player off of those, not the not the actual fantasy output. Yep, yep. Uh, check out you know the type of the games game scripts that it was having you know pay attention to maybe the details before you you make that cut or you make that trade uh, to really kind of see. You know, maybe, you know, you talk about uh, injuries, uh, people that might be coming back. So their backup, if they're playing hot, uh, you know, maybe you could, uh, you know, also tilt the other, I mean, trade the other way and maybe uh, take advantage of someone that's tilting on uh, their player and, and trade a, a good player uh, before, uh, you know, someone comes back as, as far as the depth chart injuries. Yeah, man, absolutely. I mean, uh, just two examples of, of what would have caused people to tilt last year. Um, last year, people were willing to drop Mike Evans after two weeks <laughs> because he was the wide receiver 71 with just under 12 combined points through those two games. But like we talked about on this podcast uh, a lot, if you were paying attention to the snaps, the targets, the air yards, you, you just knew that he was playing a much less efficient role than his counterpart, Chris Godwin. But if you benched him or cut him after those two weeks, then you missed out on his 41-point explosion the next week against the Giants. Yep. Then came week five where he put up a stinky zero, and that put people on tilt, in, including you, Greg. Yep. But after that zero in week five, Mike Evans went on to be the wide receiver one the next four weeks with a combined 83.4 fancy points in those next three games. He finished as a wide receiver three in fancy points per game, one spot behind Godwin. So that's just, guys, don't tilt. It could only lead you to making a bad decision. And conversely, like Greg said, take advantage of other managers who are tilting. Like if Sammy Watkins goes off for 42 points in week one and someone offers you something crazy for him, you know, maybe you might not even need to assess that situation, but assess the situation, determine if it's something worth doing. Because after that explosion from Watkins in week one, he only went on to score 70 points the rest of the way. Yep. Yeah, yeah, nah, yeah. The only, you know, I did tilt for Chris Godwin, so that's the only reason I tilted, you know, you know we got Chris <laughs> Godwin. So, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the Sammy Watkins one, is a that's a really good one, too. Um, Sammy Watkins, you could have got the house for him after week one. Chiefs offense, <laughs> number one receiver. The Tyreek Hill just got hurt, too. Like, that was a yeah. mega deal that was happening after that. Absolutely. Um you know, one thing that remembers, reminds me of when Shiv traded Sammy Watkins for Antonio Brown. Yeah. Or, no, he traded Antonio Brown for Sammy Watkins. Yep. <laughs> Two guys that just ended up being useless yep. for the year. Crazy. Oh, man. The second tip is work the waiver wire, right? It's a grind, but you have to work the waivers, whether you're streaming or, or looking for guys to add to your roster uh, because you think that their role can potentially grow. Don't be afraid to spend fab early um you know your fab money don't be afraid to spend it early if you think there's a player on waivers that can help your team uh if even for a week to buy you a win don't be afraid to spend it also try to be a week ahead on players so you don't have to use your fab money if you're if you're streaming quarterbacks or defenses or maybe have bye weeks coming up pick up some guys earlier so that you don't have to outbid other managers in your league and if you're using waiver priority it's it's a bit different but again don't be afraid to burn the priority early. And if your league mates in the top half aren't using their, their their waiver priority and you're just in the bottom of the priority order with a few other teams that use it, then just keep using it. Uh, but again, try to be early and pick up guys as free agents so you don't have to pick these guys up off waivers. Yeah, a lot of you know guys that was, you know, DJ Shark, a guy that was a free agent for a couple weeks last year. Uh, Terry McLaurin was a free agent for a couple weeks. I remember looking back at my, you know, early waiver wire notes. Like those guys were on those uh, notes for that. Um, so yeah, these these are 
guys that could become league winners for you just chilling on the waiver wire after after great week ones and, and twos. Um, people are going to recognize all the top guys, but those people that are, you know, last on the waiver wire a long time for the first four weeks, um, I'll be putting up, you know, wide receiver one, running back one numbers. Yeah, man, it's definitely something to pay attention to. Why Why are they putting up these numbers? Are they playing a, a high amount of snaps? Um, you know, look look into these things for sure. Um, piggybacking off of that tip, tip number three, save up an emergency fund. And again, talking about fab here, but save up a few dollars. Um, I like to go into... I like to go into the last few weeks of the season with only ten dollars, and, and I'm only just trying to make one dollar bids. But at least try to make it to the playoffs with five or six dollars of fab, so you can outbid opponents in the playoffs for a defense or a quarterback. Um, if you guys are both streaming, or maybe their starting running back goes down, you know whatever it may be. Um, and if I were to apply this to the archaic waiver system, uh, the original waiver system with priority waiver bidding or waiver uh, waiver order, then I guess if you find yourself you know, creeping into the top half of the priority, then start saving it at that point so you can, you know, beat out those playoff teams. Yeah, we're still actually in a, you know, traditional waiver order send me, you know, towards the end of the season. We're like, oh, well, you know, we're actually in the top six for once, actually. So, you know, let's hold it uh, <laughs> and uh, maybe make a move so when we can get uh, our safety net running back or something like that at the end of the season, we can make that move right away. Yeah, man, I think that's also a big one. Step uh, And then tip number four, I think this is the most important tip. Uh, and the last tip is just stay with us. And, and this is deeper than, than simply staying, listen to us and you'll win your league. We obviously believe that. And we, you know, we've helped, we helped a bunch of people do just that last year, or, or at least they came really close. But even when, even if you run into some bad luck with injuries or, or losing to the highest score, uh, score each week, you know, and you're out of the playoffs, you know, it's, it's easy to become discouraged and say, I hate fantasy and not pay attention. <laughs> but make sure you're paying attention to what's happening in the NFL and which players are rising in fantasy. Pay attention to that stuff because it's usually it uh, ends up being useful information for the following year. Like A.J. Brown was a guy that we talked about uh, all the time last year during that stretch. Uh, he's a guy that we circled coming into 2020. Probably the reason why I think we're both higher on him than consensus. Uh, I'm, I know for sure I am, and, and a lot of that has to do with what he did down the stretch, clearly becoming the guy for Ryan Tannehill in the Titans' pass offense. Yep, another example, uh, you know, Steven Sims, as far as, like, maybe some sleepers, uh, he killed mm-hmm. towards the end of last year. Uh, and, those, you know, week 15, 16, 17, you're at the playoffs, you're really not yet paying attention, uh, especially week 17. Um, so, yeah, these, these guys are, are killing uh, guys that, you know, play backup. Bashad Perryman, we saw his, you know, promise over in Tampa Bay uh, when both Chris Godwin and Mike Evans were out. So, yeah, it's definitely a time to look at some sleepers as well and also big-time names. Yeah, I mean, this is the reason why a few years ago you were adamant that David Johnson was the number one player in fantasy. Yep. Uh, it was not that long ago. I think we were coming into the 2016 season, but it had everything to do with what he did in tw- at the end of 2015. Yep, yep absolutely. So uh, definitely pay attention. Uh, you know, play some DFS, even if the, if that's the if that's what has to keep you engaged. But um, now we go on to the what could go right, what could go wrong segment. So, Greg, I think we each have two guys, uh, two or three guys for each for for each uh, section. Yep. So we'll start we'll start off with the what could go right. Uh, and I'll give one of my guys first, and then you you'll give your guy next, and we'll just you know ping pong back and forth. Uh-huh. But um, my first guy for what could go right uh, that would be Josh Jacobs, the running back for the Las Vegas Raiders. No um, <laughs> get out of here with that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't like Bama, but um, so you know Josh Jacobs. Obviously, he was my running back bust. Um, and you know the thing that I think has been has gone actually right for Josh Jacobs has been the price. Uh, you know, that's definitely gone right. If you look at, I always felt, you know, RB seven where he was going back when we recorded that episode, I always felt that that was too high. And so if you get our, if you get him as the RB 10 to RB 13, and that's, that's where he's currently going, that's a price that I can actually get in on. But anyway, what could go right for Jacobs in 2020 in 2019, the top seven running backs scored on average 14 total touchdowns. On average, they saw 75 pass targets, um, and now that's elevated a bit. 
you know, by CMC and Eckler, who each saw over 100 targets. But if you remove them from the calculation, that number is still 55 pass targets. The average reception number for these running backs was 42. And again, that's excluding CMC and Eckler. So essentially, it will all go right for Josh Jacobs being a top five back if he goes off in the touchdown department or, you know, does actually see this increased work in the past game that the Raiders have been talking about. Jacobs has a ton of ability, and you know, in terms of best pure runners, he's probably top three or top four in the in the NFL. Uh, so he can definitely do this. Uh, but it's either the Raiders are, are a good football team and win potentially nine or ten games, or the Raiders view Jacobs as their workhorse and allow him to be a three down running back where he's immune to this negative game script or playing from behind because he's just able to stay on the field. If these happen, Jacobs will be a top five back. So, you know, if you look, if you, if you're sitting there, you know, at home listening to this and and you're looking at the Raiders schedule and you could see them potentially winning nine or more games, or you can tell yourself this story that Jacobs will get the pass game work, then by all means, take him in the top eight. But just know in order for, for this to go right, it's going to be through touchdowns or targets. Yeah, I like that one, um, you know, especially as far as Josh Jacobs being a pure runner. You know, he's, he was uh, one of the top running backs as far as broken tackles last year. Um, yeah, Josh mm-hmm. Jacobs, is, he's, he's the man as far as talent. Um, so, yeah, passing down work every, every day. You see a new story. Oh, Josh Jacobs, you might get more <laughs> passing work. You might get more passing work. So, it's like uh, him and Derek And then Henry. they signed a pass-catching running back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so like that and... Of course, like the uh, rate of standing games and, and game script is very heavy for a person that doesn't get a, a no, like pass catching work as far as what he did last year. Yeah, man. Um, Greg, who do you have for, you know, your first your first guy for what could go right? So what, what could go right? I got my man, you know, Miles Sanders. You know, I am a Giants fan. So, you know, this is not just a bias towards Miles Sanders as an Eagles player. But, uh, you know, I got to look at him as far as a player. He's going as the RB11 right now, uh, 201. You took him actually as your RB, as the RB11, uh, 201 in the analyst league we're in right now. Also just traded for him, uh, just uh, Kenyon Drake, and got Miles <laughs> Sanders. So this is a walk away for John, really, really. This is really what it comes down to. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, um, what could go right, you know, the, the entire 2020 season, uh, that's what we see that RB1 volume, and that's what people are coming into this year. And ex- uh, people that are high on Miles Sanders expect that because that 15 to 20 plus touches mark, in my opinion, is where RB1 gets. And that five game stretch that he had last year that everyone goes to, week 12 to 16, he had 15 touches, 22, 19, and 25, and 25 again, uh, respectively. Uh, in that, he resulted with an average of 21.2 fantasy points per game, uh, quarter to player profiler uh, in half point PPR league. And if you have a 21.1 to uh, you know overall finish, that's RB two in fantasy, right behind Kishon McCaffrey, who had 25 still. But that's you know right over Aaron Jones as the RB two. Uh, so if you have that uh, out production, he's gonna yep, he's gonna be a top five uh, running back as far as fantasy uh, in both full point and half point PPR leagues. Um, I just saw him coming into this year. The small sample size still does scare me a little bit. And also that, you know, talk about historically Doug Peterson mixing it up with his running backs as far as touches. So uh, I see him as a high in RB2. Uh, I still would take guys like Eckler, maybe Aaron Jones and Chris Carson. Uh, right, That's where he, I probably see more of him. But uh, I think he, you know, with those touches number, if you, if you guarantee he's going to give me that. Sign, sign, sign me up, man. He's going to be a top 10 back easy. Oh, it's like music to my ears to hear you say something nice about Miles Sanders. <laughs> 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 All right. My next up for what could go right. This is going to be music to your ears. This is Odell Beckham mm-hmm. Jr. Mm-hmm. Cleveland Browns wide receiver. I know it's music to your ears because you drafted him as your wide receiver one in our league of extraordinary people. Um, but I've, I've not been... I don't hate Odell. You obviously know I'm probably one of the biggest fans of Odell Beckham. Yep. Um, I'm not even really low on him. You know, I'm, I think I'm I'm kind of right there with consensus. Um, but for it to go right for in 2020 for Odell Beckham, I think he's just simply got to stay healthy. I mean, all all you know, I mean that's not really just it. Obviously, he was injured last year, but the Browns O line. It needs to be better in 2020. They gave up way too much pressure as a group and allowed Baker to take way too many sacks last year. Com- compound that with Odell running with a sports hernia. 
uh, all year that later required surgery. And, you know, you know, this is the second year he'll be playing with Baker Mayfield. They have an upgraded offensive line where, where they attacked, they addressed both uh, the left tackle and the right tackle position. Uh, they've got a strong running game that will help the Browns with their play-action pass offense, which is a staple of, of new Browns head coach Kevin Stefanski. And, you know, you got all this. I think this is a recipe for Odell to, to get back into the upper echelon of fantasy wide receivers. You know, he's, you know he had a terrible year last year, but he still had 1,000 yards. Crazy. And, and before that, a healthy Odell Beckham averaged 90 catches, 1,300 yards, and 10 touchdowns. Again, he man, was on pace to... It's it's he's he is good man. He was on pace to be talked about as the greatest wide receiver of all time. Let's not forget this conversation that we were having two three years ago that Odell Beckham was on his way to being potentially the best wide receiver of all time. We talked about him in and his production in the same breath as Randy Moss. So this guy is one of the all time best at his position, and so uh, to me, as long as he stays healthy and Baker stays upright. This should be a good year for Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah, man, uh, that I love that. I, I you know, I, I think I'm coming into expecting it just, just as far as the eye test. This is pure eye test of him being, again, better than any player on the football field, uh, doing what he has to do and uh, dominating targets, uh, dominating touches uh, as far as, you know, wide receiver snaps and just, you know, killing in the red zone. Yeah, man, absolutely Greg, who is your second guy for what could go right? Uh, yeah, this is um, I guess a multi. Well, so T. Y. Hilton is the James Conner of wide receivers, so he's also the honorable <laughs> mention. But James Conner, really, because they both have the same message. I wrote it down twice. It basically comes down to staying healthy. Uh, he, you know, James Conner banged up all season. Uh, he played in ten games last season. Not to mention the games that he started in and then left which absolutely kills you as a fantasy player. You rather you might as well just go and pick up like, the last guy on the waiver wire and start him. Uh, but in those games, he averaged 12.9 fantasy points per game. Uh, according to Fantasy Pros, that was an RB18 as far as uh, fantasy points per game. So his floor is a mid-level RB2 if he plays in those games. Um, you know, he's his upside is a low RB1. I think, you know, he averaged 15 touches per game last season uh, in an offense that historically feeds a workhorse back. Uh, he got a high of 26 touches in one game. So, you know, there's no reason why this guy, you know, shouldn't have been a bona fide RB1 that we've been, dra- you, you know, we would draft every year because uh, that's what we expected after Le'Veon Bell left. Uh, we expected James Conner to be, you know, top five back that we're drafting at the, the top of rounds and stuff. But again, it comes down to health. And, you know, if he stays healthy, if you can guarantee that he's going to give me all 16, uh, I think that average touches per game number goes up and you know his fantasy output goes up uh, as well as far i think he's he can finish his rb1 as well yeah man i'm james connor is somebody he, um he's somebody where his his adp right now is not where he's gonna finish you know i think he's going off the board as rb20 or something like that mm-hmm. he'll either finish in the top 12 or he'll finish outside the like the bottom 40 yep. in terms of, of fantasy yep. total fantasy points because this could only go one of two ways for him it's either he stays healthy and you know continues that production getting those uh dominating the touches in the pittsburgh steelers backfield or he gets injured like he always does and you know then that results with with him uh not really helping you uh out for the for the for the for the long run in fantasy um and that's a great a great point for uh james connor you know, getting taken out of games. Like, I think that's something that yeah. doesn't get talked about enough yeah. because that's part of, you know, if a, if I know a guy is hurt this week, I'm, I'm just, all right, well, I'm not going to play him. But for a guy to consistently get hurt in the game and not be able to finish a game, that kills Heartbroken, you. Heartbroken, man. Yeah, it really does. I, I like... I got my first share of James Conner this weekend, and you know, you know where it was, you know what kind of draft it was in? It was a best ball league. That was the Smart. only place I felt comfortable. That was the only Smart. place I felt comfortable drafting James Conner over any of these other running backs because in a best ball league, I don't have to worry. Like if he finished the game and he was the top, you know, top twelve back on the week, I get those points. If he doesn't finish the game and he's a bottom fifty guy, like it doesn't matter because he'll he'll get replaced by another guy. Yep. So. <laughs> that's it um ty as well too you know are you gonna do you have a do you, are you gonna talk about ty or are you uh, just he's just your honorable mention? yeah it's just the same it's literally the same um reason for james connor same stay, stay healthy uh he pretty much averaged the same amount of 
fantasy points per game, and he killed in the red zone at, when in the games that he was in uh, as far as touchdowns and touchdowns in the red zone. So um, that was yeah, basically I just wanted to mention that and as his honorable mention. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, no, that's a, he's another one, too. That's definitely the it's the same case with him. Um, you know, part of the reason why we're both so down on, on both those players. Um, so what could go wrong? I've got Nick Chubb. You know, he's my ride or die at the running back position this year. Uh, I've got him in half-point PPR leagues as my RB6. Um, but, you know, not everything is sunshines and rainbows. We always think that we're right about something, but... You know, that's what the part of this exercise was, was to uh, see where maybe, you know, where our blind spots could be. So uh, Kareem, the, the, the what could go wrong is basically Kareem Hunt forces this backfield into a 50-50 split. Mm-hmm. Um, and Chubb doesn't see anywhere near the volume that he's been he's been seeing since taking over as the starter in 2018. And shout out to Rich Rebar. Uh, at Lord Reeves for this one. But since Chubb took over in week seven of his rookie season, uh, he well, since he since Chubb took over in week seven of his rookie season as a lead back in, in Cleveland, only Zeke Elliott and Derrick Henry have more rushing yards than him. But if all of a sudden he's not viewed as the most talented back in his backfield uh, and the Browns do decide to split this backfield uh 50-50 as opposed to 60-40. That could definitely ca- cause some problems for Chubb's upside. Uh, or, you know, if Chubb isn't used as the goal line running back that he was uh, in his two years in Cleveland where he he's dominated uh, goal line touches uh, as the lead back. Uh, you know, because Kareem Hunt, also a good back in his own right, uh, a very good goal line back as well. Uh, so, you know, if the if the Browns do decide to even split the goal line work, then that could spell trouble for for Chubb in twenty twenty. Yeah, I think that's a, a good one right there. Early in our, you know, the the pre draft uh, process we had, we did the ADP game, very popular one. I think I think the most popular one is Kareem Hunt versus Nick Chubb, and um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see uh, how how that splits starts to to go for, to start. But uh, I really hope that they can coexist because you know Kareem Hunt can play a lot of pass catching and play, you know, as a, as a wide receiver um, and just, you know, as far in general, get maybe his five to 10 receptions and then five to 10 carries like that. That could still happen as far as Nick Chubb also getting his 20 plus touches as well. Yeah, I think that my my reputation definitely depends on it. So I hope, <laughs> yeah. I hope that happens. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Yep, yep. <laughs> So, Greg, who's your next guy for what could go wrong, uh, man? You know, speaking of Kareem Hunt, you know, talk about his former team. Got to go with my man Clyde, man. And I think this is a what could go wrong for the entire fantasy nation right now. Because <laughs> <laughs> this man is like, talk about hype coming into the year. It's crazy the hype this man has. It can actually become addicting. Uh, you know, I made the decision to take him as my RB1 at the 106 in the Annas League. I just felt like I need just one share, Clyde. I just need one because, you know, if it hits, you basically get 2017 Kareem Hunt. And 2017 Kareem Hunt was 325 touches with total touches with 782 total yards and eight touchdowns like that is a bona fide RB1. That's like everything you need from that guy in a Chiefs offense prolific with Andy Reid. Um, but yeah, what could go wrong? I mean, one, he knows we have no NFL sample size of this guy <clears throat> and probably the worst season to be a rookie right now um, as far as no minicamp, no OTAs, no a lot of two-team scrimmages, no preseason, just as far as that right there off the bat. And then overall, you talk about how Kareem Hunt could be, you know, that 50, a 50-50 chance. Uh, or take away production from Nick Chubb. Darrell Williams is, you know, the number two, uh, clear number two um, running back now. Uh, they have DeAndre Washington as well, but I think Darrell Williams has a lot of intrigue because, you know, he, according to Athletic, he's been killing in camp. Uh, the team, he's been taking first-team snaps with Clyde as well. Uh, they love his pass catching and his blocking abilities. Um I'm definitely targeting him in this analyst league, and I'm definitely targeting him <laughs> in all other leagues as far as standalone volume just to have. So uh, the upside is there with him in a prolific offense. Uh, I think at the very worst, like it could take away, uh, you know, his you know his receptions count, his receptions number. You know, Clyde will probably be getting a lot of carries and early down work, but like as far as you know that receptions number of getting to maybe close to sixty or fifty receptions, that could be you know a lower than we, maybe what me might expect. 
Yeah, I mean, that's a great point in terms of the the pass protection because you've got a, a half a billion dollar quarterback sitting back there. Mm-hmm. You better be able to protect him <laughs> as, as the running back. That's a fact. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, Daryl Williams, he's somebody that, you know, I know we, you know, we were texting about it. I have a few shares of him in Dynasty Leagues because um, I remember uh, I'd actually made a, a trade for him in, in a redraft league last year. Um, but he was somebody that kind of just flashed, you know, because all of the rotating that was happening in that Chiefs backfield last year uh, between uh, Damian Williams and LaShawn McCoy uh, and then Darwin Thompson was a thing. But then Daryl Williams, he, you know, he seemed to be getting a lot of that work. Right. Um, and the backfield seemed to be trending towards him at one point, um, especially when Damian Williams went down. Um, but then he suffered the hamstring injury and he was out for the year. So, you know, to, for him to get these glowing reports, uh, he's definitely somebody I think is intriguing and it's definitely somebody I think we should look to add, especially if you have Clyde. Yes. Uh, because we have seen this backfield be split. Yep, we have. <laughs> we have. So definitely something to watch. Uh, that's definitely a good one. Um, so we we went from a running back that's near and dear to your heart to a running back that's near and dear to mine. So. That's going to be Le'Veon Bell, the New York Jets running back. Um, oh, man. And I, oh, man, that's crazy. I'd argue that it's... Because he was like my honorable mention for what could go right, one of them, too. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know what the what could go right is, oh, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. the what could go right is just regression. 300 touches, give it to him, yep. feed him, yep. boom, yeah, done. done. Say no more. Yep. But Adam Gase is the head coach for the New York <laughs> Jets. So, um, and I'll get into all of this, but... You know, the Jets did make the trade for Kalen Blage, which, again, has no bearing on Lev Bell for me. It has zero bearing. I think this is purely a depth signing, and, you know, he'll come in as the yeah. as the fourth running back. <laughs> but Gay spoke very – Greg, you know I'm I'm like a maniac. I'm watching, the you know, these press conferences. I watch Adam Gay's press conferences on like every week. Yeah, I'm sure or every day. I'm sure you know every quote from Adam <laughs> Gay's every week about – Every every, in, every, every I just I just need to know how his brain works because yep. I don't get it. But he spoke very highly of Frank Gore, um, and you know I don't think he sees Frank Gore as someone who's going to be a cheerleader on the sideline and, and you know give pep talks and, <laughs> and uh, you know he like the way he was talking about him. Uh, he said Frank Gore could play till he's sixty five. Um, yeah, so or till he's sixty something like that. But Frank Gore will play. And whether it's five to seven carries or ten to twelve, that's remain to be seen. But now a big part of our job is to be able to make educated guesses and what we think is going to happen. And a lot of times we come up with this idea of rational coaching, right? Meaning, well, this is this just makes sense. So this is what the this is what they should do. Um, and that you know that's what the coach is going to do because that's rational. Well, rational coaching is a fallacy uh, because not all you know. Think about it this way, right? Not all people are rational. So therefore, not all coaches are rational. And newsflash, Adam Gase is irrational. So right now, I'm probably, you know, maybe this is a what went wrong segment because I'm probably lower on Bell than I was a couple weeks ago. Um, I think at this point, at his current price point, I'd feel more comfortable with Jonathan Taylor or maybe one of these running backs. Uh, but I would not feel comfortable with Lev Bell as my RB2. I, I'd feel better with him as my flex or, you know, maybe an RB2 in a full point PPR league uh, because I do think he, he ends up third on this team in targets just because, he you know, he is one of their best receivers and they've suffered a bunch of injuries at the wide receiver position. But, you know, maybe it's, maybe, like I said, maybe it's already going bad, but it can get worse so if Gase continues his, his shenanigans. Sorry. Oh, no, I was going to say, you so you wouldn't bet on Le'Veon getting 300 touches. I'm not betting on Le'Veon Bell getting 300 touches. Wow. Word. I, I, word, word, word. I I can't bet on I can't bet on him um, because I I we have to see where this backfield splits between Gore and Bell. Uh, you know we have to because you know and again the quote from Adam Gase's latest press conference, which was yesterday, he was saying that because I don't know if you saw Greg, but Lev Bell took some shots on Twitter. Yep. Um, not so, not necessarily shots, but I don't want to. I don't want to, you know, say that. Passion, use I think. that word. He just wants to play, man. Yeah, he he wants to play. He got pulled out of a scrimmage uh, for 
uh, what Adam Gase said, you know, was his was hamstring tightness. Le'Veon Bell retweeted the report from Connor Hughes saying, "Ain't nothing wrong with my hamstrings." Um, and then somebody was, you know, re- replied to him, "Oh, but Lev Bell is just practice," and he was like, "You know, it's just practice." We talking about practice, you know, quoting the famous Allen Iverson quote. But then Lev Bell came back and said, "Yeah, practice. Uh, I practice to playing uh, to be great in games. In order to be great in games, I need to practice. Absolutely. Um, you know." And he's like, I'm used to going, and I think he was, you know, going hard, going fast, something like that. But anyway, it was a bunch of emojis. But anyway, <laughs> so, um, you know, they did talk about it. Uh, you know, Gase, you know, and a lot is being made about the relationship between Gase and, and Le'Veon Bell. Um, Gase said that him and Lev Bell had spoken about it. You, you know, they had a long talk about it. Uh, and he, you know, Gase made it, you know, said that, uh, you know, he, he did, he was caught off guard by Lev Bell going on Twitter because he felt like they have a, a much better relationship than that. Because apparently the two talk all the time, uh, in the building out and outside of the building, the two were constantly communicating. And Gase had said that he, he had said that he was basically want, he wants to protect Le'Veon Bell because last year he felt like in the first month of the season that he, um, he wore him down. And, and, you know, he couldn't have felt great by the end of it, which he did. You know, Lev Bell did have like 30 touches in that first month of the season. Um, but it still doesn't make sense why you are saving your 28-year-old running back to work your 37-year-old running back. I Again, I I don't know. And I feel like that inside of Adam Gase's head is a very dangerous place. And that's not a place that I want to <laughs> be in trying to figure out what's going Facts, on. Man. So, um <laughs> I mean, I, all I got to say, give give that man Le'Veon Ball the uh, ball, the ball, Bell the ball. Um, I'm just saying, <laughs> this man, you know, like he, it, especially in a year where like you're not going to get a lot of reps. Like he needs reps. Like you, you need to get your body ready and in shape to to play through, uh, you know, the 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 injuries and the the you know the tightness that you're going to get throughout the year. So I think you, you mm-hmm. know, Le'Veon's going to have to be out there. I want him to get over 300 touches because you know I think the positive regression is just a layup for him to finish as a RB1 as well. Yeah, I mean like I said I want him I want I'm with you Greg. I want him to get to the 300 touches and I and I've got him projected for the 300 touches between um his 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 carries right now and his attempts. I've got you know well over 300 323 is what I'm projecting. Um but again I don't think Frank Gore is just going to disappear. Yeah, yeah nah, I mean he's still in the league for a reason so uh, you know, we thought that with Dave Montgomery too. I mean, not Dave Montgomery, uh, Devin Singletary last year, and, <laughs> and Frank Gore <laughs> was still getting touches. <laughs> yeah, man. So I know I just went a whole lot on on Lev Bell. What could go wrong? But this one's very important to me. Oh yeah, and this um, one's just I've as been... important to me, man. Is is Danny Dimes as far as what could go wrong? <laughs> uh, you know what the segue? Oh uh, man, it's pretty up. It's perfect. The segue just from New York to New York, like just the the love that I have for you know the quarterback of New York. You know Danny Dimes. If you don't see that, what could go wrong? If you don't see that clear improvement in him, you know protecting the ball and addressing his fumbling issues. Uh, you know last season, you know he had a he had, he had a tendency. To you know, sometimes want to do it too much, and you know that all all of that could hurt him again this year. Uh, you know that's normal for a rookie QB to you know want to do too much, want to be a hero. But he had 38 sacks last year and 18 fumbles last year. Those are very alarming numbers, you know, for a rookie quarterback. Um, his interception number was down, only 12. But as far as protecting the ball, he's got to get better there. Uh, so you know that is what one thing that can go wrong for him, just as far as capping his upside a little bit, as far as turnovers. Um, but I think he would address that. And the other thing in the what could go wrong is by that opening schedule, man. Uh, you talk about that opening schedule. Week one, Pittsburgh. Week two, Chicago. Week three, San Fran. Mm. Then week four, the Rams. Mm. You know, basically outside mm. of New England and Baltimore. That's like the defensive gauntlet right there. Mm. Like, that's basically, uh, mm-hmm. you know, pretty tough to start. Uh, you know, I think he can absolutely struggle. Um, if the what could go wrong is that he struggles from the start. Uh, that could trickle into more games throughout the year. Um, which, you know, also will take a hit on his upside. And, you know, if I expect him to be, you know, QB8, uh, QB, uh, and a bona fide QB1, uh, as far as taking that second-year leap, um, that will kind of cap him and not be that and mostly be more a QB2 with some, you know, good QB weeks, QB1 weeks last year, just like last year, basically. Um, so, I, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, that doesn't happen because, you know, Xavier McKinney's out. And the Giants don't got no secondary, so <laughs> this man's gonna have to. I think he's still gonna fall into some 
early, you know, good early fantasy outputs to start because he's going to still have to be in some uh, bad situations as far as coming back and, and volume as far as that. Yeah, I mean, and hopefully during those 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 stretches, you know, we get to see him use his legs because yep. that'll definitely that should allow him to get out of some trouble, um, and, and you know, raise his fantasy floor. So, uh, you know, definitely like that one. Um, you know, definitely gotta you know look at that situation. But another situation that we gotta look at. This one is actually really near and dear to my heart because I'm 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 in love with AJ Brown, but um, it's AJ Brown. Mm-hmm. What could go wrong for AJ Brown, right? And uh. Basically, Ryan Tannehill turns into a pumpkin. You know, he he was. <laughs> that's basically what could go wrong for for AJ Brown. Uh, if if Ryan Tannehill wasn't isn't nearly as efficient as he was last year, uh, NFL Next Gen stats they track something called completion percentage over expectation, meaning what was the quarterback's completion percentage, and subtracting what the expected completion percentage should have been based on different variables, including, you know, time to throw, uh, wide receiver position, uh, separation, air yards, you know, et cetera. So Tannehill led the NFL last year with completion over expectation of, of plus eight percentage points, uh, having completed 70% of his passes when he should have completed 62% of his passes based on NFL's next-gen stats. This was the highest in the NFL last year and the highest recorded since 2016. And some guys, you know, they consistently outperform, you know, overperform in this category. You know, Drew Brees and, and Russell Wilson, they have done so each of the last four years. And that makes sense because both those guys are really good at football. Um, but Ryan Tannehill also had a, a career-high 7.7% touchdown rate last year and also had a career-high yards per attempt of, of 96 Obviously, A.J. Brown averaged 20 yards per reception, um, but even if you remove all the targets to Brown, Tannehill still had an 8.4 yards per attempt, which was still a, which still would have been a career high and you know still w- would have been top two in the league. So again, Tannehill had a great year, uh, and you know maybe under a new system in Arthur Smith and, and away from Adam Gase, you know maybe that was the, really the key to unlocking Tannehill. But the the other way it could go bad uh, could go wrong for Brown is if this offense doesn't run through him. Right? If they spread the ball around to guys like Corey Davis and Adam Humphreys and Johnny Smith and, and it continues to be a, a low pat a low volume pass offense that Brown just isn't the center of. You know, I've said all year I th- I think Brown is the man in in the Tennessee pass offense. And I think that he's a type of player that should command twenty five to twenty eight percent of the team targets. But if he's only getting 20 to 22% of the team targets in a low-volume pass offense, then that would damper any chance that Brown has of finishing as a top-12 fantasy wide receiver, which is where I currently have him ranked. Yeah, man, there's a you know there's a reason you know Tannehill is on the ten, um, the Titans. You know that Miami gave up on him. Uh, basically, you know he's he's a very inconsistent quarterback. You have flashes of of great year, fantasy years or great fantasy moments and and just player moments as well, and then become a shell of himself the next game or the next season. So either that is for or, or injury as well. So you know it could be uh you know very rocky for him. Um um and so I think you know it could be a case for him where it could be alarming, but. Hopefully, A.J. Brown, you know, rises above it. One of those receivers that can rise above having a bad quarterback like a D-Hop or, you know, uh, Allen Robinson. Yeah, that's definitely the hope uh, is that, you know, he just becomes one of the, the upper echelon receivers in the NFL. Yeah. Um, something crazy. I'm going to share this on the show. I was looking. I have A.J. Brown projected to finish fifth in the league uh, in receiving yards with you know, over 1,300 yards, mm-hmm. and he is, like, at the bottom of the list to 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 uh, lead the NFL in receiving. The odds on him are, like, plus 5,000. Wow. <laughs> wow, so that's why I mean, so, a little safe bet, right, though, a good, a good little Yeah, right I might there. have to go... Might have to go throw a few I, bucks on that. Good odds are nice <laughs> on that, and as far as something that could happen, um, low low risk, high reward. I mean, he averaged twenty yards a catch last yeah. year. <laughs> <laughs> so the what could go um, right is those pockets. That's what I see. <laughs> yeah, what could go right is those pockets for sure. Um, but yeah, so you know, you know, I thought this was a great exercise because yep. obviously, you know, we think that we're. You know, we think that we're right. We're confident being in, in the fact that we're right because, we're, you know, at the end of the day, we're competitors. And, and that's why we play this game. 
of fantasy football. Uh, Greg and I both both former college athletes. Um, you know, Greg in his basketball days, me in my football days. So we're we're both competitive by nature. Uh, even if you see us on the flag football field, but um, in fantasy, like you know, there's like we said at the beginning of the show, take lock is a bad thing, mm-hmm. right? And so we just wanted to give you guys an idea of of what would change our mind about these players that maybe we were high on or low on, um, you know, heading into the season and give you guys, you know, the listeners that opportunity as well, because, you know, like, like we said a couple weeks ago, we don't want to tell, we, you know, obviously we'll tell you who to play and we'll tell you start sits and things like that. But we want you more than anything to take, you know, to learn about our process, to make you all better fantasy football players. Yep. Yep. And definitely just, you know, tell you the entire story, not just be one-sided or impartial uh, partial here. We want to give you everything and all the stats because you can tell a story one way with stats and you can tell a story another way. So we're just giving you everything. Yeah, man. We At work, we call that cherry picking. So, you <laughs> yep. know, you never want to cherry pick the, you never want to cherry pick the data. That's not, it's not a good look, especially when the FDA comes and they ask you some questions. Yep. So, <laughs> so, um. Nah, man. I mean, yo, we're two weeks away from football. Like, you know, we will, you know, two weeks from now, we will be uh, getting ready to watch football literally all day. Um, and, you know, I, I just can't wait, man. Oh, yeah. I'm super hyped. I'm super hyped for just to watch all the great games and the, the first matchup to Bucks, Saints. Come on, man. Like Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Alva Kamara, Mike Thomas, you know, Mike Evans, you know, just the stars in that. It's, it's going to be crazy. Yeah, man, I, I can't wait. So, um, again, if if you guys, you know, please, if you like what if you like what we're doing, just please subscribe, follow the podcast wherever it is that you're listening. If on Apple Podcasts, please go ahead, hit the notification button, uh, ring the bell, uh, write us a review. It, it goes a long way to helping us out. And again, it's absolutely free. And and of course, uh, you can also just leave the five stars as well because that helps big time. Um, and you know, don't keep us too much of a secret. You know, maybe don't, maybe you don't want to tell your league mates about us, but you can tell, you know, your friends that aren't in your leagues about us. Yeah. So (laughs) I would just um, (laughs) join the league the other day and then they were like, oh man, this guy's got a podcast. I'm like, oh man, uh, nah, I got to share it though. I got (laughs) to still get the pub, but then, you know, I don't want people telling about my secrets, but you know, we here, we, you know, it's all fun and games and, you know, we want to make everyone more knowledgeable. It makes it more competitive and more fun. Absolutely. We're trying to make, uh, you know, create better fantasy players. So, um, again, if you if you are on social media, you want to interact with us, make sure you follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at FF Diagnostics. You know, be sure to follow Greg on Instagram at we underscore made it. And then you can follow me on both platforms at JR Football Nerd. Again, we're both very, uh, you know, both very active on both on, on both platforms. Um, Greg on Instagram, me on Twitter. Uh, so you can always get a hold of us. You can always ask us a question. Um, you know, you know, reach out to us that way. So again, thank you all for listening. And as always, we are out. Yeah.